Salty Bible Hour is a ministry of Open Door Baptist Church, Brighton, Tennessee. Scripture is our final authority, whereby any and all church councils, creeds, and quotes are in subjection. Salty subscribers will become equipped into basing ivory tower scholarly consensus with blue-collar Bible basics. No fluffer or filler here, just substance seasoned with salt, not coated with sugar. So I, we both agreed, I'm going to launch from here, and this is just going to be to introduce the topic of interpretation. Um, 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 20. Knowing this first, that no prophecy of the Scripture is of any private interpretation. And I have written down every reference of interpret, interpreted, interpreting, and interpretation in the Bible. Um, I think that we'll be able to come out of this with a real, I know that we'll come out of this with a real good understanding of interpretation. I don't know, I honestly don't know if this is not going to be a two-parter. Because I just feel like there's so much here. Okay. And I don't know how to not get into these other topics while talking about this topic. Because I feel like we have an interpretation crisis because we have a meaning crisis. Mm -hmm. And so like, that's where my thoughts were when I was saying that, launching on this and seeing what you had, just to start. Because this was revelatory to me, and if this is super basic, just forgive me, because I feel like it could be, but it just was revelatory to me. Mm. I feel like what the problem that we have, and not to name names, but this person criticized you, Openly, so I think I can name his name. There was a guy who said to you, how can you know the context of a passage if you don't know the original translation, right? Mm -hmm. And I thought, this is what my thought finally kind of clicked in my head. I think the whole problem with interpretation and how people interpret the Bible is that they believe that grammar supersedes and establishes context versus context establishes grammar. Like you and me are speaking right now and the pauses that I give indicate the type of punctuation that there would be mm -hmm. and the tone of my voice and the literary devices that I would use. Like Just like you had, your kids aren't little now, but I've got little kids, so let's say I want to say something fun to my wife, use an induendo. I can have an entire conversation with my wife that my kids are unaware of mm -hmm. just for fun. But the reason that they can't separate the context of what I'm saying is because they're not able to detach the grammar from the context. Mm -hmm. And so if you have this little hierarchy of an idea of what grammar is, you have morphology, phonology, semantics, and syntax. Mm -hmm. Morphology is, for the simplest of definition, it would be like the ends of prefixes of words like nation versus national, that sort of thing. Phonology is just phonetics. Um, sem semantics is the meaning of individual words. Syntax is the structure of sentences. The way that God talks throughout the Bible establishes those things for us. But I feel like what happens is I take the word of God. I bring it back into a different translation 
and then I use grammar to establish what the context is. And then it's not even worse, even if you leave it in English, you'll see, do you remember this? There was a verse in Hebrews where it says, who can have compassion on the ignorant, right? Mm -hmm. And people will use semantics with that, and they will say, who can have compassion on the ignorant? Like, who could possibly be compassionate towards the ignorant? Where the actual passage, the context of that passage is that there is a high priest who can have compassion on the ignorant. Like, that person can have that compassion. Mm -hmm. But... I feel like that's a fundamental problem when it comes to interpretation. We have not a high priest which cannot be touched with a feeling. No, that's a different one, isn't it? Yeah, okay. and I didn't even write that reference that's down. Fine. I just thought of that as we were okay. saying it. This is why I was saying that. As we'll go through today, interpretation is not simply translation. It's not. Interpretation is context and it's meaning fundamentally. Because like he gives the translation, or there are a lot of times where the thing that has to be interpreted is in that person's spoken language, but then it still needs interpretation beyond just the words that were supplied. You know? Mm -hmm. So look, I threw all of that on you. First of all, let me say this. Is that revelatory to you at all, or do you just say like, ah, that's not that's something I've known a long time? Or what? What are your feelings on that? I think that's just your interpretation, man. <laughs> so that's ain't that about what you get out of interpretation is is, is that here's the here's what I don't know that you believe this or are willing to adopt this, but from what I understand, interpretation is not subjective. I, I'm not saying that interpretation is subjective. Biblical interpretation, that is. Well, any no, I'll say it stronger than that. Any interpretation of anything is not subjective. I don't know of the subjective part of that would have to be like broken down for me in a way I can understand. When I say subjective, it's not open to any uh, opinion at all. Okay. It is, in other words, I do not interpret any scripture ever. I find the interpretation. Interpretation will come to me by revelation. I think that, so like Genesis, obviously, which we have that, Genesis 40, verse 8, and 41, verse 16, mm -hmm. and Daniel 2, verses 28 through 30. It essentially states, Joseph and Daniel both make the same statement, that interpretation belongs to God. Mm -hmm. Now, interpretation as a definition of what does interpretation mean? It's meaning. So the meaning belongs to God. Now, when I say it's not of subjective, this is why I'm not, I'm not pulling back because I know this isn't what you're saying. We read a passage and we say, this is the meaning of this historically. That would be application. But we're, we're, we are saying application, but it is the meaning of it historically. Mm -hmm. Historically, the reason why Jonah didn't want to go to these people mm -hmm. is because of these transgressions that had happened between them, right? And so there is the historical event, right, that you have. And then there is the, um, what you said, the literal story that is going on, where God is telling you a story and these events are unfolding, correct? Mm -hmm. And then there is a... Uh, there is prophecy mm -hmm. all throughout that book, mm -hmm. right? But then there's also, um, what would you call like archetypal shadows yeah. 
that have deep, deep meaning in connection with Jesus Christ, right? And in connection with the nation of Israel. So when I say that, when you say what, you're, what you are saying, I believe, is true, mm-hmm. I don't know that it's singular. Well, just for example, the historical narrative of Jonah. Yes. I would assert that there is no interpretation necessary. We're just reading. We're just reading that narrative. There's really no need for any uh, interpretation. That's being revealed just just uh, on the surface. Yeah, I don't know that I disagree with that. That's probably true. That's probably an accurate way to describe that. I guess what I was trying to say is, do you have any? Do you say that there is a historic, the historical meaning? And the value of that, where do you gauge that versus, I guess this, because this is what I think happens. There are people that say it is a story and the meaning is the story. Mm-hmm. And then there is no symbolism to the entire thing, right? They strip the symbolism away from that book. Right. What are you, when you're saying that the interpretation is not private, which is what scripture says, mm-hmm. And that it belongs to God, which is what Scripture says. What is your take on that by saying it's not subjective? Um, it, it, it would, we would have to land on, we'd have to interpret something like, you know, in real time, yeah. interpret something. Okay. For example, if we were to, if a Roman Catholic apologist were here, he is going to assert a private interpretation okay. of uh Matthew 16, I think it's verse 18, his private interpretation, uh, the official private interpretation of the Roman Catholic Church is that Peter is the rock. Jesus said to Peter, thou art Peter, and upon this rock will I build my church. Okay. Um, That is not a subjective, it's not, uh, that's a private interpretation, and I am not interpreting anything there. We will let God interpret it by uh, it will be a revelation that has, no, there's not two answers, there's not three, there's one interpretation. And if, if it's going to be revealed, it'll be revealed by the metric that we're, uh, uh, by the authority of Scripture. Yeah, I absolutely, that, I think that, I knew we were going to land here, and that's why I said I don't know how we avoid the interpretation discussion without really a translation discussion. Like there is a difficulty there because we are saying if this is authoritative and I am going to use a comparative analysis to establish what God says about individual things, which is the only way you can define. Without context, we can't define any words and we can't define anything that means anything, right? We can't derive meaning without context. And I say, you got notes, I got notes, I bet they're harmonized. Oh, I guarantee they are. I'm not going to be, I'll tell you what I, just get a concordance and run the word interpret, interpreted, interprets in any uh, uh, tense. Yes. And you'll see its usage, and you'll see the main usage is dreams. And, uh, you know, if you go to Genesis, you'll see that the context of interpret or interpretations is dreams between uh, uh, having to do with uh, Joseph and, and Pharaoh. And in Daniel, you see the same thing. Interpretation of what? See, interpretation means nothing without a prepositional phrase. Interpretation of something. Yeah. Okay. This, in this case, it's interpretation of dreams. And in that case, you'll see something that is. Um, well, I'll show you in a moment. We'll, we'll land for a second. Well, let's land right now. Let's look at Daniel two for a moment. Daniel two. Daniel two for a moment, because um, um, 
Of course, he, that was between him and uh, the king of Babylon. Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, and Daniel. Hmm, I'm in chapter 2, and I didn't mark it, but I'll find it. Uh, let's pick up about verse 26. and Look with me real quick. Daniel chapter 2, verse 26. Now, we're talking about interpretation. We're going to see the word interpretation in verse 26, and it has to do with the dream of the image that uh, Nebuchadnezzar dreamed. Uh -huh. and the, uh, the king answered, verse 26, and said unto Daniel, whose name was Belteshazzar, Art thou, art thou able to make known unto me the dream which I have seen and the interpretation thereof? Uh, Daniel answered in the presence of the king and said, Look at that word, the secret. I'm going to tell you right now. The interpretation of the thing is the revealing of a secret, and it is all I see that it is always the case every time when we're dealing with interpretation. Again, most folks, when they say interpretation, they really that's a just that's a semantical thing. They really inadvertently they don't realize it, but they really mean application or opinion or something yeah. like that. But interpretation, if we're going to be true to what interpretation truly is, notice this, it is a secret. It's a, a, the revealing of a secret. The secret which the king hath demanded cannot the wise men, the astrologers, the magicians, the soothsayers show the king, but there, watch it, there is a God in heaven that what? Revealeth secrets. You cannot properly discuss biblical interpretation without discussing God-given revelation of a thing that is concealed or hidden that is then revealed. That's your interpretation. It will be revealed by God. Amen. And we see uh, secrets there. I think our secrets go all the way back to maybe verse number... Oh my goodness, I see. If you look at the chapter, and I, uh, how about verse 22? Go back. He revealeth the deep and secret things. That's Daniel. We see secrets about four or five times surrounding that one word that launched our thoughts is interpretation. Verse 28, uh, God in heaven that revealeth secrets. Verse 29, uh, we see it again about midway through after that colon. Uh, he says, and he revealeth secret. He that revealeth secrets. Watch verse 30. But as for me, this secret is not revealed to me for any wisdom that I have. Okay, and he goes on to say, uh, but for their sakes shall make known the interpretation. To make known is another word for something that is revealed. Now I said that for this reason. You'll see the main reason, the main subject of interpretation is dreams in your Bible and anyone can do, just run a computer check or a concordance check and verify that for sure. Again, you, you rightly quoted Genesis chapter 40 verse 8, do not interpretations belong to God in the context of yeah. that is dreams. We have dreamed a dream and there is no interpreter of mm -hmm. it. He says, do not interpretations belong to God. And the second most common place you'll see interpretations is languages. Yes. Languages. If I said, uh, if I said the word, the, the sentence, hutasest in hiesu ha nazareus ha basileus toni I just said something. Yeah. Unless a person translates Koine Greek into English, they're not going to know the interpretation. But that's what I mean by it is not subjective. There's one interpretation of that thing. Uh, those dreams came from God, and they were revealed by God. Yeah. Where did, where did words came from? Let me give you a hint. In the beginning was the what? Yeah. You see, the word. Uh, you go to Genesis 11, there, the whole world was of one, one language. language. Yeah. Now, who's the one that gave other languages? Uh -huh. It's God. God's the one that gave those languages. And again, you can go all the way back to the garden where Adam was speaking. 
he's speaking a language and whatever it was, we don't know, we weren't there. Yeah. I'd probably, if I'm depressed, I'd, my wild guess, I might say Hebrew. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what else to say, but um, <clears throat> that is imparted to him. Mm -hmm. And here we go, to reveal. Now it's hidden, all that stuff. Yeah. Um, the interpretation, it's not, it's not, that's what I mean by not being subjection. There's one, and that, that is, this is Jesus of Nazareth. Yeah. The king of the Jews, which was over his head. That's what that is. Now, that's, that's what I mean by not being subjection. That is interpretation. See, that is, who, who gave that to us? Yeah. You, you start tracking that thing, then it goes right back to God. That's hidden. It's a tongue that's unknown until Somebody, anytime you see an unknown tongue, somebody knows what it is, you see. Yeah. Just like you see an unknown God. Paul uh -huh. said to him, I declare, I see your inscription to the unknown God whom you ignorantly uh, serve or worship. Yeah. Acts 17, I think. He says, to him, I declare unto you. It all has to do with revelation. The only other time I see, well, no, there's a couple of times, there's a couple of key points, and I'll, uh, you might have some thoughts, I can tell, but... Um, you'll see some sundry mentions of interpretation in the New Testament, in uh -huh. Hebrews and Acts and in John. Like you'll have a name of a place or a person's name, yep. which by interpretation is, and it'll just reveal yeah. that thing to you. But there's a couple of key points, one in particular that has to do with Scripture, which it takes us all the way back around to uh, first, uh, second. Peter, where you opened up, 2 yeah. Peter chapter 1, verse 20. No prophecy of the Scripture is of any private interpretation, but holy men of God spake as they were moved yes. by the Holy Ghost. The Holy Spirit of God uh -huh. is what reveals, well, the Holy Spirit of God is what will reveal, like I, I gave an uh, example of uh, the, the, the rock that Jesus, uh, the, um, Jesus mentioned who the rock was, but the church would be built upon. Uh-huh. There's just one interpretation. It's not a Baptist thing. It's not a Methodist thing. It's nothing to do with evangelicalism or anything else. It is, there's one interpretation and only one yeah. that will be applied to that. Who's going to reveal it to us? It's going to be the, the Holy, Holy Spirit, Spirit of God. God. Uh, he may be the same guy that's the author of these words. Yeah. And that's where we get cross-referencing. The key to a biblical interpretation is cross-referencing. The Scripture will reveal what Scripture says so, yeah i think that and i think we've done this on wednesday nights where we've done all right instead of establishing because a lot of times people will say well give me verses for the trinity i was like let's not do that right. let's look at what the bible says about god mm -hmm. and then you're going to come away with i've got all these verses that say jesus is god and the lord is god and god the father and obviously the holy spirit of god is god and so allow scripture to interpret itself right i wanted to I love that we approach this from different angles because I think it's really interesting. Um, the names thing that you get throughout all the New Testament, which is how interprets move most of all, mm -hmm. most of the time, and like you have, I think Acts 13 is a good example of this. And like I said already, if you will look and you will take the word interpretation and you will say, I'm going to say meaning in this passage. It will, it will fit every single time. The interpretation is the meaning. Now, Acts chapter 13, verse 6, And when they were gone through the Isle of Patmos, there came a certain sorcerer, a false prophet, a Jew whose name was Bar-Jesus. Now, if you go to verse 8, it says, And Elimus the sorcerer, for so was his name by interpretation. Mm -hmm. So his name is Bar-Jesus, but the interpretation of his name 
is this, mm-hmm. which is mean that's the meaning of it. Mm-hmm. And it's going to go with thing. It's Tabitha and Dorcas in Acts chapter 9, verse 36. Barnabas, son of consolation in Acts chapter 4, verse 36. John uh, 1, 38. He calls him rabbi. It says the meaning of rabbi is master. Mm-hmm. Okay, the meaning of uh, Christ, the meaning of Messiah in John one forty one is Messiah. The me or the meaning of Messiah is Christ. The meaning of Cephas is stone. The meaning of Shalom is sent. The meaning wow. of Emmanuel is God with us. Okay. And so, and uh, Daniel establishes in Daniel chapter seven verse sixteen and Daniel chapter eight verse fifteen where Daniel gets a vision. The vision is perfect. The vision is perfect, mm-hmm. right? He has no doubt what the words of the vision are. He has no doubt what the symbols of the vision are. He is completely perfect thing. And it is the same exact thing that you get in the book of Acts. Understandest what thou readest? How can I Mm -hmm. except some men should guide me? Right, right. Right? Mm -hmm. He can't get the meaning without there being an interpreter. And Daniel can't get the meaning of his vision, which I want to say this too. This is another study. The word of God is first spoken and then written, right? So holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. This is the whole thing of context. Context dominates grammar. Context is chief to it because our dictionaries have changed. Mm -hmm. And if I look up, for example, just for something I'm already doing, Mm -hmm. if you look up the word elect, there is so much built-in bad application because of, we define words by how we use them. Theology. Right? So I have to go to the Bible, like you're saying, to define the word because if I leave it up to my private interpretation, me deriving meaning from the text, mm-hmm. just like the priest, right? Just like a bunch of people. I've seen a bunch of people do this with even things that I agree with. I'm like, I'm on your side. Right. I saw somebody do this... Um, who I support is a good guy, but he mishandled something. And the problem is a lot of times that's where people clap the loudest because I agree with it. Can you give me an example? You don't have to say the name. What he had done basically is he said that you can't believe the teachings of John Calvin because he's nothing more than a Catholic priest. Okay. And it's like, dude, most of the church at that time, it's not like, Man, you're Catholic because, like, I'm an American. Mm-hmm. You're born into a state governing body. You right. don't really have a lot of control on mm-hmm. that stuff. I'm not. I don't support the teachings of John Calvin, right. but that's a bad argumentation, mm-hmm. I right? I agree. All right. So anyhow, it's also I think like the meaning of Melchizedek in Acts chapter seven, verse two. The meaning of uh, the meaning of Proverbs. Proverbs one. I remember you. That's the one I was pointed one out to me. So let's go there. Proverbs, Proverbs one. One verse six. Yeah, that's a that's. I can see right now that this this is going to branch into. We can't speak of this properly without talking about um, inspiration. I know. And um, that's what I'm I don't know how. When you were talking about what the next video should be, I'm like, golly, dude! I like, know. I don't know how I'm going to get out of this one. This is a this is a big subject for sure. Um, where are we at? Proverbs? One six. Yeah, read that for us, man. To understand a proverb and the interpretation and the words of the wise and their dark sayings. I think I've talked long enough. Let me take well, a break. Uh, I'll park here for a second. And uh, <clears throat> uh, Proverbs chapter one, verse one. Who's right and why is he right? It's the proverbs of Solomon, and of course we—that's the guy with imparted wisdom from God. 
wisest man ever. Uh, so these are the Proverbs of Solomon. What does he write in Proverbs 4, verse 2? To know some stuff. Mm -hmm. And he starts listing, listing some attributes that you'd do good to have a truckload of them. It says to know wisdom and instruction. Uh, how about some perception? I'd like to have that. To perceive the words of understanding. To receive the instruction of wisdom, justice, judgment, and equity. To give subtlety to the simple. And it talks about discretion. And he gives a, an example there. Uh, here's another thing these Proverbs are for. You just quoted it. To understand a proverb and the interpretation. The words, and he kind of embellishes that after that semicolon. He says, the words of the wise and their dark sayings. Now, what, if we, what are we going to do with that? Okay. He says it's going to take divine wisdom to interpret. Yes. And you probably need to know the first step to take. You might just want to go straight upstairs. Just go to God with that. Yeah. And because that thing right there is looking right back at you, judging the thoughts and intents of your heart, uh -huh. how you approach Scripture. Now, how about that dark saying? Oh, let me just start doing some, let me start mishandling that, and I'll tell you what a dark saying is. Uh, darkness is evil. You yeah. agree? Uh, men love darkness rather than light. Where's that? John 3, 17, mm -hmm. maybe? Uh, um, Oh, somebody's calling. Um, yeah, men love darkness rather than light. So to un I want to understand evil sayings. You understand? That yeah. is a, an incredibly um, flawed way to handle that. It's, it's embarrassingly simple. Um, what, how do you handle this? I'll show you real quick. I think it's Psalm 72 or it may be Psalm 78. Uh, the reason I, I know it, because I've actually taught that before. I think it's Psalm 78. Yes, Psalm 78. Notice this, and this is what this is just this is the Holy Spirit through his word cross-referencing and he's embellishing that word and he's defining that word, just giving you those little nuances that help you to understand what a dark saying is. Uh, Bible says in verse 2, I will open my mouth in a parable. Now a parable, that's a secret too, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Didn't Jesus speak in secret? code to his disciples, right? I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings, but he gives you a little par uh, um, prepositional phrase here, of old. Dark sayings of old. You know what a dark saying is? It's a distance saying. It's ancient. It's, it's, yeah. it's not on the surface. If you want to open this book and the, 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 the flawed consensus, especially of modern book sales and modern evangelical Christianity, is that the Bible must be understandable to the masses. Mm -hmm. No, you didn't get that anywhere. You did not get that from the followers of Jesus Christ. You didn't get it from Jesus. You didn't get it from anyone. That come out of ether. That's, uh, the Bible is not meant to be easily understood. <laughs> and uh, this is the dark sayings of old. You've got to kind of go back in the, to the back shelf and find that thing. So dark saying, we're what am I doing? I'm not interpreting anything. I am searching, and the interpretation is revealed. Now, if you say that, we, we got a little bit more light on this dark saying. I will utter dark sayings of old. That's nah, an ancient saying. There's no doubt about that. How about Genesis 49? Genesis 49, we'll get a little bit more understanding of that thing. Genesis 49. I'm, not, I'm sorry, I meant Psalm 49, sir. I apologize. Okay. Psalm 49. I will incline mine ear to a parable. Again, this is all, a, a parable is a parallel. That's what a parable is, using an example. I will incline mine ear to a parable. I will open my dark saying. 
upon the harp. If I had to open a saying, could we, could we surmise that that saying was closed before? I've got to open it. Yes. It's a, so it's a dark saying. It's a closed saying. I'm telling you something. The Proverbs that Solomon wrote, they're closed up. They're tight. I like to liken them to, um, to a knot that's about this big that you just say, how, how can I? You've got to start unraveling that thing and picture a message being written on that rope. Yeah. And it's so concise and so rich. And you see, you, you can read the surface, the face of it, but as you unravel it, it's endless. There's so much there. That prob you could launch from there and probably go forever just on one passage of Scripture. That's just one little example of I'm not interpreting dark sayings, yeah. but I am finding the interpretation as it's revealed and who's revealing it, Scripture. I think there's this thing that's going on that you're going to find in parallel with interpretation where just like what this is saying, Solomon says something in Acts 8.1 where it says, who is a wise man and who knoweth the interpretation of With a thing? With no prepositional phrase. It don't even say of anything. It just says who knoweth. I think it does, doesn't it? The it interpretation. Know, I think it just says who knoweth the interpretation of a thing. You're of right. A thing. Of a thing. You're of right. A thing. Um, whatever a thing is. And so the <laughs> reason right. why I wanted to put that, bring that up is that both... Uh, yeah. The consensus with Joseph and the consensus with Daniel, which the reason why we're mentioning them when you look at this, and I'll share my notes and pastor's notes if he wants to share, I'll share those too. You'll see that most of what like pastor was talking about, a lot of the uses of this word interpretation and interpret and interpreting surround those two stories of Joseph right. and Daniel. Mm -hmm. it, is a, it is synonymous that their ability to unfold the interpretation is from wisdom, and both of them say, hey, this isn't wisdom from me, this right. is wisdom from God, which leads into like James chapter 1, verse 5, if any man lack wisdom, mm -hmm. let him ask of God, which giveth to all men liberty, liberally. Um, I think that where I, um, where I want, what I want to make clear is, if there is one interpretation and there is one interpretation because the only interpretation is from God. Mm -hmm. The interpretation from God is... So what, what I'm saying when I'm saying the interpretation of, from God, I'm saying the meaning from God. And we've used this passage before in Zechariah. Remember when he walks. Okay, so Jesus Christ, this passage is fulfilled in Matthew. I can put these things on the screen later if we need to. But Jesus Christ walks from one town to another, and it says in that passage in Matthew, he fulfills this Old Testament prophecy of the light that comes from Zebulun and goes down the aisles, right? Mm -hmm. And it says he is fulfilling that passage. Mm -hmm. Now, if you were to read that passage, everyone today could look at that and say, that is a second coming passage. I believe it There's is. no way it's yeah. not a second coming passage, and he's telling you he fulfilled it. Mm -hmm. And I feel like because of that, what has happened? We have this prop up where, how do I interpret that now? What do I derive from the meaning of that? Well, now I believe that all of these events that are predicted of in the future are now past because the Bible says that they're fulfilled and I have source scripture. So when you say the interpretation is not subjective and you take a passage like that, which is dealing with two different realities and two different time frames, and the passage is saying it applies here and it applies here. Is that two interpretations or is that one interpretation that encapsulates an entire scope of meaning? 
I don't know, cut, let's stop. No, I'm joking. <laughs> um, it is, a, man, there's, it's a dual, that's application. Dual application. Double application. What do you mean when you use the word application? Application. What are you, when you Profit. say application mm -hmm. means? Because, okay, here's a general uh, hermeneutics 101, okay? And I know you know this, but every passage of scripture you come to, uh, you use Jonah. Mm -hmm. A man named Jonah really lived, really got onto a ship, and there was a real storm, and he was really running from God. Yes. That, real, that is a historical event that happened. Mm -hmm. Now, there is a, um, uh, a, there's a there, so there's a historical application to that thing. There is a prophetical application in every aspect of Scripture. There's okay. no Scripture that you, I mean, just because I can't see it, I may not be spiritual enough or in tune to see it. There's prophecy in every every place in Scripture that has a that's an application. Uh -huh. And there's also doctrinal. Okay, how about this? A doctrinal application. Okay. And when I say prophetical, maybe I could say spiritual. I could replace prophetical with spiritual. Mm -hmm. Or how about personal application? I don't care what word you use. Yeah. I, I could. Say, there are thousands, possibly. Uh, App, thousands of applications we could make prop, uh, spiritually. We could spiritualize all kind of things and see. I mean, I could give a thousand examples right mm -hmm. now. But um, that those are that is that is not subject. I mean, that is that is an objective thing. That your your spiritual application. Some things may just speak to you. You see, yeah. And, uh, that's God speaking to you. And if you get value out of that, that helps you to see something about yourself and about God better. God just showed you something. That doesn't mean He's got to show everybody that. That's a yeah. personal personal application. Now, most folks stop at personal application. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. That's mine. Yes. Yes. Wait a minute. He maketh me a lot of. No, you wouldn't believe the prophecy in that. Yeah. You see, you wouldn't believe the doctrinal application to that. Those are applications. So we a lot of times we're just dealing with the. I want to dig deep into application because I think it's important mm -hmm. for the understanding of what we're talking about. If I say someone's making an application, that application could be good or bad, right? You'll see. Catholic applications, mm -hmm. right? Where they are using different. Um, John six is a great one. Okay, go yes. Eat my body, eat my yes. flesh, drink my transubstantiation. Yes, right. That's and or like Mary in the Book of Revelation, right? They say that the woman that has twelve stars around her head is Mary, and they they forecast Mary back throughout Scripture. John, uh, yeah, the Book of Revelation, chapter twelve, the woman. The Catholic Church would say, and the hey, the Evangelical Church doesn't do much better with that. They'll say it's the they say that is the church. Yeah. Okay? Uh, that that those are. Would you say that the application, okay, mm -hmm. is only true? I, I guess this is where I want to I want to try to spice, and they might they might actually be the same thing. Mm -hmm. If you're saying application means meaning, then it is the same thing as mm -hmm. interpretation, and it, it is evil. It is either right or wrong based on how true it is to Scripture. Mm -hmm. So that's what I'm, I want to sparse if we're using this word application wrong, mm -hmm. or does it parallel with the word interpretation? It overlaps in some way, and uh, I'd have to really consider that to be able to give some good examples, but I don't have a problem with there being some synergy with that. Because I see that people say application, mm -hmm. and then it's like, there is this allowance that I do not like. And, uh, and me and Chelsea, we've, she was reading a book, 
This is probably like a year and a half ago. And um, I feel like, this is what I'm saying, these are people that I like. If I'm reading your book, I like you. Mm -hmm. The guy whose book I was reading last night on election, I like that guy. It's a good guy. But I'm saying she was reading a book and she came to me and she said, look at the connection he's making here. And what I would say is he had certain standards about dress and different things. And Mm -hmm. he was dealing with the subject of modesty within scripture, right? Mm -hmm. And he was forcing application. Mm -hmm. But the Bible didn't allow for it. So the Bible was silent on it, and he was forcing it in there through what I would call grammatical nuance, Mm -hmm. which is what I was talking about at the beginning of this, where I am taking, I'm using the grammar structure, that's the syntax, or the semantics of a word to prove a point that Scripture does not expressly say. People do that all the time. Let me ask you something about this, because this is good. This is just like... I want to know what your thoughts are on it. You know that a lot of what I'm teaching right now, or maybe for the last couple of years, has been this kind of pattern emergent stuff in a different dress or different thing where I'm looking at different patterns throughout Scripture, and then I'm taking these different patterns, and I'm bringing what I believe to be the correct interpretation of that, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And I'm trying to present that. And I might be presenting it like I did the other night, or why even like what I might do tonight, um, I might be presenting that for personal growth, Mm -hmm. or I might be presenting it on a different scale of saying, hey, here is a eschatological scope. Like, and that would would have a doctrinal application, Mm -hmm. right, on what we believe. Sure. Do you think that by doing that, like, if I'm showing a pattern, am I deriving the meaning through that paradigmatic viewpoint, panoramic viewpoint of Scripture, or is there some sort of responsibility that I have to deal with. If I'm dealing with Psalms 51, I better just be in Psalm 51. Because that's how it's treated. Like, if I'm in Romans 9, you can't go to Romans 8, and you can't go to Romans 10. And I've seen debates like that, and it's like, well, why would you want a broken paradigm? I don't understand how you would derive meaning. Mm -hmm. It almost seems like you're limiting the meaning by keeping it contained in something. Right. No, um, and that, that... That can be easily shown that the the scriptural method of biblical interpretation is cross-referencing. I think so too. What better better teacher do you have to tell you how to how to and when you do that, really I don't I'm not looking to find the meaning. Meaning will find me. Okay. As I I believe the scriptures and as I cross-reference, it just surfaces and finds me. Uh, But um, give you a perfect example. I gave a panoramic view last week of Revelation 2 and 3, showing it's a, uh, how it fits a panoramic view of, the, of church history. Yes. And there's no doubt that fits like a glove. Doctrinally, I don't... I, doctrinally, if you want to depress me with doctrine, yeah. very well may be more suited to a tribulation application. I have no I mean, problem with the interpretation... Setting. This is where I'm at with interpretation because I'm taking the biblical definition of it being meaning. Mm -hmm. When I say that you're making, what you are doing is you are showing the interpretation for the church. And now what you're doing is you're showing the interpretation once the church is gone. Sure, sure. And the reason why I think that fits is because that passage back in Zechariah is going to mean a lot more when the Antichrist is on this earth and there are people that are trying to endure to the end. Like, you know what I'm saying? And you mentioned Zechariah. Zechariah 9 will show uh, upon the foal of an ass. 
Mm -hmm. Double application right here. Did that happen? It's the fulfillment of Zechariah. You'll see that in Mark 11 where he went and said, go get mm -hmm. that ass, that, that colt that's tied. Yes. But do you not see him on another, on another uh, beast of burden, burden. Uh, in Revelation yep. 14, 19? Mm -hmm. okay. Absolutely. Double application. Double. The first advent and the second advent, yeah. um, they, and it was at, things are at hand to be fulfilled. The scripture, will, he will not leave one, one uh, part of scripture unfulfilled and, and broken. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, man, that's it, on a case-by-case -case basis, just as long as we're mindful of that, because what, what I am mindful as I strongly assert that. Well, you said that. What, what were we talking about? Oh, uh, um, you, you mentioned a passage of scripture just a minute ago. It might have been, just say Revelation, okay? okay. Revelation 2 and 3 and then beyond. Man, would you, let's just stay in the book of Revelation to, to, to find the interpretation of Revelation. My goodness, that, impossible, man. Yeah, impossible. I don't know how you could. Well, you, it is absolutely impossible. Yeah. The, the Revelation, you will never be able to find the interpretation of anything in Revelation without a uh, reference in hundreds and hundreds of places in your Old Testament. And I'm okay with the idea that that book expressly is going to be here long after the church is gone. Sure. And mm -hmm. it might have application in that book that's going to apply to the people that are living in that time. They'll, they'll have better, they'll have more light to be able to, to apply it and understand it at that time because of their current circumstances. And I would say that we are sitting here today as the products of progressive revelation, right? And by saying that I'm the product of progressive revelation, I'm also admitting that... Can I qualify something real quick? When you ahead. say progressive revelation, when we speak, when you're in a, uh, any kind of public arena, folks may default and think that you're speaking of extra biblical revelation, which we're no. not. Just progressive revelation is a Bible fact. As you, you climb a mountain, right. you get a better view. Yeah. And if we're saying that we are climbing towards the end of this age, which mm -hmm. should be the rapture of the church. The pinnacle okay? of the, yeah. If we're right. climbing towards the end of this age, we might have a better view of the past than the person did before us. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's true all throughout Scripture, mm -hmm. where obviously Peter, who is nothing more than a fisherman, the Holy Spirit comes into that guy, and all of a sudden he's got all this revelation of how this past prophecy applied to his day instantaneously. In the same way that you can read something maybe not even directly applicable to Scripture, and it'll be talking about, um, you know, like a whatever, how time works, or how um, there's a building block of microorganisms that goes all the way down, and you have this uh, incredible network that is almost like in. It's like it's almost infinite mm -hmm. to each, and then you're like, oh man, that fits this scripture and this scripture and this scripture and this scripture. Well, the people back there, they had those scriptures, but they didn't have that revelation. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I think that there is something there to say that that when you say dual application, I say that I don't want to minimize what those two things are. I don't think that the application of the church age is wrong or private. I think it's biblical. And I don't think that the application of that having deep tribulation significance is unbiblical or private. I believe them to both be biblical. And I say that both of those interpretations are correct because Scripture is giving an answer back to me that they are correct. 
right? Absolutely. I mean, yeah. And so in that way, that's why, that's what I'm saying. It is not a rebuff of what you were saying at the start, that there's one interpretation. I don't know the limit to that interpretation, though, because I think you're dealing with an infinite God, and if I'm saying that I can bottle that up and it's only right here, I would say this. Wisdom and truth in our age will only come from Scripture. Mm -hmm. And so the interpretation of all things is limited to Scripture. Mm -hmm. It is limited, to, not limited to, that would be ridiculous to say that the Bible is limited, is contained within Scripture, mm -hmm. and which leads us to the translation problem and the cross-referencing problem yeah. that we're saying. Well, when you approach the translation issue, I've got an English Bible here. When you approach that, you'll approach it the same way we just approached anything else. Can someone's ideology meet the demands of Scripture in any language, in, in any volume? Um, Paul said, uh, where's that, 1 Corinthians 13 maybe? Mm -hmm. We see through a glass, yep. now darkly. Now here's a pair of glasses. I, and as we approach Scripture, we interface with Scripture, we, a lot of times we, we stop right at the glass. That's the glass. Mm -hmm. When you see that, looking through the glass. I mean, this is distorted. Probably not a good example, but you got a window, right? Yes. That's a window to something else. And you, it's a difference between looking through the glass. Uh, you, you've all, we've all heard the proverbial, you know, two people looking, you know, at a, out outside an office window and one saying, I see bugs and smudges and he just sees what, he's looking mm -hmm. at the glass. Other person sees a beautiful, the, describing the scenery, mm -hmm. looking way beyond that, seeing through that. So mm -hmm. we don't, don't fail to look at the glass, but you've got to be able to see through the glass. And that's what revelation is, revealing things that are beyond um, what is right in front of you. Like, for an example, I guess I could say, um, well, you mentioned just today, <laughs> revelation, like having revelation of some things. I can look at some things that, that speak of, um, I mean, I've got tons of stuff on where I see neuro the biology behind certain things mm -hmm. that have to do with the the neurons that connect to our gut health yes. things like that uh well people remember i remember it in my bowels okay how do you remember something in your bowel? what about well first of all biblically mm -hmm. what's the interpretation yeah not what the english what what your medical doctor your school nurse calls bowels yeah. today go back to the scripture but before you throw it out won't you just consider how strong it's a splagnon would be the Greek word of that. Mm -hmm. And then they translated it, or it's your insides. And then you, you see where people yearned within their bowels mm -hmm. and things like that. There, It's not your lower viscera, only today it is. Yes. Okay. But uh, with that being said, you'll learn so much that neuroscientists are just now realizing today. And you know what? Your neighbors are just now realizing the importance of gut health and how it has to do with your mood and your sense of well-being or how bad news yes. can affect your gut. And that's connected. That's your yeah. neurons. That Bible, that's what I mean by it's looking at the glass and through the glass. And you see it's just so, so rich with stuff like that. Uh, I think we're... We're probably way getting, you know. <laughs> right? Oh, I know, but I, I don't before know how I to contain it. Let me, we'll, we'll send it up before we're done with this. Uh -huh. Because I think this is going to open up the portal of um, we to properly, what's married to the concept of, in, of um, uh, inspiration, what I say? Uh, interpretation. Inspiration. Yes. Translation. Yes. You can't speak because 
And I feel like those um, are two different videos. Oh yeah. But this is all connected together and it's so hard to not be, dip from one into another. If I had to, because right now, for any third party guy, man, um, if, I just remember being overwhelmed by things. Um, when, when back in 1998, me and my wife went up to Indiana, Indianapolis, Indiana to school, business school for, for the carpet uh, okay, service yeah. business that I had. And there was so much science behind there. We sat in there. There's so much about compatible, uh, non-volatile solutions, uh -huh. uh, water-based things, how you can ruin a $10,000 rug real yeah. fast. You understand? What you, you might not want to do that. You mm -hmm. might want to get through your first year without filing an insurance claim. <laughs> and um, all this is coming at us so fast, and it's so much. Honestly, by the time that I graduated, yeah. I don't know if I knew how to turn the machine on. That's that so I just funny. Bought. Honestly, I was so overwhelming. One of the blue collar guys out there in that shop got a few of us together because we were just asking some so many questions. I know you're overwhelmed. He said, come here, man. 90, 95% of anything that you're gonna deal with, you're gonna need this, you're gonna need this powder cleaning agent here, you're gonna need this booster, put a little percent here. That's gonna take care of just about everything. That's all you need to yeah. do until this stuff. You know what? Just It was just like a, a weight was lifted off my shoulders within two minutes mm -hmm. of conversation, okay? Can I attempt to do that real quick? Go ahead. Thing? Because I'm going to tell you something. Um, it could be daunting for sure, but if you're going to talk about interpretation, we would start with um, Genesis chapter 40, verse mm -hmm. 8. Interpretations belong to God. They are mm -hmm. not my interpretation. Stop saying that's your interpretation. Well, it's actually a good description. They just don't know what it means. Mm -hmm. Like, there are a lot of people where I would say, that is your interpretation. And what I'm saying is, that's your meaning. Well, the Bible's against It's not that. the Bible's the, meaning. The Bible, yeah, exactly. Right. The Bible says no prophecy of the Scripture is of any exactly. private interpretation. The Scripture is what's going to be... The Scripture is what I'm saying is this. This book right here is self-defining, mm -hmm. and it is self-interpreting, mm -hmm. because that's the mind of God. And if Amen. I was gonna if I was gonna go after after uh, Genesis chapter forty verse eight, I would uh, just look at the continuity between these thoughts: interpretation, secrets, and revelation. Mm -hmm. Okay. And Deuteronomy twenty nine verse twenty nine. I'll quote that real quick for you. Deuteronomy twenty nine and verse twenty nine. And this this is real simple stuff here, guys. But Deuteronomy twenty nine verse twenty nine. Yeah, watch this. That's what Moses said. The secret things belong, secret, you remember, does that sound familiar? Yeah. The secret things, who they belong to, see? <laughs> they belong to the Lord our God, but those things which are revealed belong unto us and to our children forever, that we may do all the words of this law. So there's a secret that must be revealed. That is biblical interpretation. Of course, I would go after that, a good place to go to, if you're just going to mark that up, we've already been there, would be Daniel chapter 2. He mm -hmm. says, this is not for any wisdom that I have, but there is a God in yes. heaven that revealeth secrets. And the whole context is interpretation. Mm -hmm. No matter what it's interpretation of. It's dreams in that case, but yeah. it could be anything else. Um, now, with the interpretation of a thing or of scripture, I would, I would go to... Um, um, 1 Corinthians. No, I, 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 before I go there, I'd go to Luke chapter 24. Look at Luke chapter 24. This is at the end of uh, the ministry of Jesus Christ. And um, Jesus 
It's about to us, right before the bodily ascension of Jesus Christ. Oh, I went too far. It's Luke chapter 24. Now, you notice these words here. And how come you don't hear any, any um, I don't hear any prominent so-called authorities on Bible things ever speaking like I'm speaking right now? And the good question is, why not? <laughs> you know what? i tell you why not, possibly. What I'm doing to you, if anybody would get what I'm saying, they don't need me. They don't need they don't need my church yeah. for understanding Scripture. They yeah. don't need any Bible college at all. They need to. Know. This is the key. He said to those Pharisees. Uh, uh, he said to those lawyers, which a lawyer is not what it is. Not a trial lawyer. You understand? It's yeah. not a. It's it's a lawyer is a master of the law, which is the written word of God. He says you've taken away the key of knowledge. Mm -hmm. You can't enter yourself. And you prevent those that would go from coming yep. in. Now that's what modern scholarship is doing. Uh, I this is the key of knowledge. This is the key of biblical interpretation. Now notice this. This is how the only way you're going to know something is right here. Jesus is talking to his disciples, and of course he goes through the prophets and the law, uh, the uh, law of the prophets and the Psalms, verse 45. Then opened he their understanding that they might understand the scriptures. That's Jesus Christ opening up someone's understanding. And I promise you this, if God does not reveal any, something to you, you're not ever going to get the interpretation. You're never going to get understanding unless it is imparted to you by God. I know that sounds overly simple, but that is, <laughs> let no man corrupt you from the simplicity that is in Christ. Uh, there's another cross-reference if you wanted to look at it on your own time sometime. It's 1 Chronicles chapter 28, verse 19. Uh -huh. Same same concept. Hey, let me look at that real quick because it's probably, I got it marked here and it's probably worthy of looking at. 1 Chronicles 28. <clears throat> and then we'll jump back and land one more place. 1 Chronicles 28. And did I say verse 19? Mm-hmm. Watch this. All this said David. Watch it. The Lord made me... What's that next word? Understand. Understand. The Lord made me understand in writing by His hand upon me even all the works of this pattern. And guess what? What if the Lord didn't make him understand? Would he ever understand? <laughs> it's impossible. Yeah. So there's a God in heaven that revealeth secrets. Jesus opened their... Do you think they, that the guys to whom He was showing these scriptures to had probably seen those Old Testament passages of Scripture before, Absolutely. but it was a closed, yeah. it was a closed revelation to them until He put His uh, divine touch upon that thing. That's what we want. We want, and it comes by believing. Uh, you believe God, and He will start to open up your understanding to some things. And um, oh, I'm in First Corinthians chapter um, two. First Corinthians. Yeah, now, that's where the, I was going too. Yeah, this will be the last place that I have anything to say. Uh, but man, this is everything, what I'm about to show you right here. And this is the biblical method of biblical interpretation. Is that, the uh, Bible says this, this is something that's not seen, verse 9. But as it is written, I have not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. If we stopped right here, we'd say there's some things that you don't know yet. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Watch this. But God hath, there it is, revealed them unto us by his Spirit. It's the Spirit of God. Wait a minute, where'd this book come? Holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost or yep. that's synonymous with the Holy Spirit. They're revealed unto us 
by his spirit, for the spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. I think we read about deep things. He, he revealeth the deep and secret things mm -hmm. in Deuteronomy 29, 29, verse 11. For what man knoweth the things of man, save the spirit of man which is in him, even so the things of God knoweth no man but the spirit of God. But now we have received, not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God, that we, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God which things also we speak not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, watch it, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth. Now, if you really, I know I'm going fast, but if you really look at these things, things, those are things, mm -hmm. <laughs> tangible, touchable yeah. things, but they're spiritual things. They're, they're, is it, well, it's, a thing seems physical, but it's a spiritual, it's still literal, it's still real. These words right here are spiritual. Yes. And these... That's how the Holy Ghost, the only way the Holy Ghost is going to teach you is through these written words. Now, it'll have convergence with his spirit, obviously, but which things also we speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth, watch it, comparing spiritual things, there's those things, with spiritual. Why would someone not cross-reference <laughs> when he's telling you, you, got you get revelation by comparing spiritual, spiritual things, things with, spiritual, with things. spiritual things, and that's what defines, mm -hmm. that's what I mean by the book being self-defining and self-interpreting. Uh, the Bible says in verse 14, but the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God. That's just your natural carnality mm -hmm. that we all have, for they are foolishness unto him. You ever see the Bible doesn't make any sense to a carnal-minded person yes. at all, for they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them. Why? They're spiritually discerned. So uh, it goes on to say some things, but if you, if you had just a, if you would walk through Genesis chapter 40, verse 8, take it to Deuteronomy 29, 29, take it to Daniel chapter 2, um, take it to Luke chapter 24, Take it here and really meditate and, and, and consider what's being said here and what is not being said. You get your understanding from God, but God's doing it by, based upon your uh, allegiance to his to scriptural authority. That's where you get that from. I, that I think there's also this transition that needs to happen, like what the reference in uh, Deuteronomy chapter 29, 29, that he, they... God has the secret things and they've revealed them to him. That's what Paul's getting to when he's saying that Israel at one time had the oracles of God. And what you're seeing at the end of Luke is the oracles of God are now being given to the church. And, and the oracles of God. The word of God. The word of God. The things of God. The word of God. Orifice. That's yes. your mouth. See, and that opens up a whole other thing. Where does inspiration begin? I don't even try to trick you. You might yeah. already know. A lot of people say, well, a lot of folks say, uh, this is inspired. Is this book inspired? I'm not saying this book's inspired. The Bible doesn't say it's inspired. The Bible says it's given by inspiration. Yes. Where does inspiration begin? Not at the pen, at the mouth. Yes. Holding in God, it spake as they were moved by mm -hmm. out of that orifice. That's the oracle Which of is God. the whole, it ties back to the first mm -hmm. point that we were talking about, that context, mm -hmm. I am establishing context, Context establishes grammar, which means... I didn't mean to stop you because you... No, you're fine. That triggered I like... We're having a conversation. The context that establishes grammar, mm -hmm. right, is the method by which I judge the grammar, okay? And so that's what I'm saying. My The context of these things is like you were saying, they were spoken first. Mm -hmm. You've got thousands of years of human history before Moses writes a single word, right? And the word of God is not dead during that time. It's just as alive then, but what is it? It's spoken. Okay. Right. So 
with all that being said, the reason why I think that's so important is because what we have now is, and this is really where I was, my thoughts went when I was writing this down on interpretation, is that people believe interpretation is translation. And I will interpret something through translating it. Mm -hmm. And that's not how God handles it at all. They actually get the translation, like just in the book of Daniel chapter, was it five or five where tikal, tikal, parafarsin or whatever? Uh, Mini, mini, tikal, ufarsan. Okay, so he gives the translation, right? But then he's got to give the interpretation he's to it. Got to give the interpretation. So right. the translation means nothing, right? Without the That's interpretation, you mentioned that. and the right. interpretation can only be derived from God, mm-hmm. right? So it can only be derived through the Holy Spirit, right. and it can only you can only gain access to the wisdom to derive that by the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. Now, with all of that, I don't, I don't know what I feel like you're going to get mapped by saying that. By saying, and it doesn't, you cannot escape the fact it is biblically true. You will not have the things of God revealed to you without the Holy Spirit of God, period. And without the revelation of the Holy Spirit, you cannot obtain meaning. It's not possible, right? And it's the same way that you can pray a prayer for salvation Mm -hmm. and not get saved and not get saved and not. Why? Because the Holy Spirit's not there. Mm -hmm. There's nothing actually occurring. The meaning is gone, right? Those are words that you're saying, Mm -hmm. but there's no meaning behind them. You know what I mean? I agree. All right. So how do we then, because I think what people are going to want to do is they're saying, well, the Spirit, what you're opening up the door is for someone to say, well, the Spirit led me to this or the Spirit led me to that. Mm-hmm. I think the only way It'll we can... You'll never contradict that right there. You can't never. untether from Scripture. Never. You can't never. untether from Scripture. And the reason we can't untether from Scripture using the verse that even you used is because that is what's revealed to us. so many narcissistic minds out there. They think every thought that comes in their head is mm-hmm. God because it came to their head that it must be God. Yep. And uh, the, the Spirit's telling me this and that. It's just a very egocentric, um, uh, flawed ideal for sure. So I just wanted to hit on it just to say it. Mm-hmm. I know like it's sometimes I feel like I'm pushing it away, but I just know that there that's going to be the rebuttal mm-hmm. Because we are saying that, and look, without y'all jumping ahead on us to here, let's just let's just kind of say this: How do I know? How do I know what the right interpretation is mm-hmm. if I don't even know if I have the Word of God? Right. Absolutely. Period. All right. I'm not gonna. I'm not doing this because I want to. Mm-hmm. We're just out of time, so we'll just close it off there. But man, that was really good.